0: Have you ever wondered what opera is like for people with disabilities? Have you ever wondered how people with disabilities do opera and sing opera? This episode is all about opera and disabilities. You're listening to The Self Advocate, a show about arts and culture in the disability community on CFRO co-op radio 100.5 FM on the unceded territories of the Musqueam, Squamish, and Tsleil-Waututh peoples with your host, Alison Klein. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Alison Mira. But before we begin the show, let's play Possibilities by Key Sarah. The song you just heard is Possibilities by Key Sarah. Key Sarah is a mother-daughter duo from Ontario, and the daughter who is singing is on the autism spectrum. You're listening to The Self Advocate, a show about arts and culture in the disability community on CFRO, co-op radio, 100.5 100.5 FM, with your host, Alison Klein. Eh tanuyap. Kuiget Iwans,
1: Hi, everybody. My name is Kuiget Iwans. I'm a member of the Squamish Nation and the Yagalanus clan of the Haida Nation. You're listening to Co-op Radio, CFRO, 100.5 FM. We live, work, play, and broadcast from the traditional, ancestral, and unceded territories of the Musqueam, Squamish, and Tsleil-Waututh Nations.
0: This episode is all about opera and disability, how we can combine both opera and disabilities. Something I've never done before, so something really cool and new. My first guest today is Robin Hahn, who is the executive director of Opera Mariposa, It is an organization that helps people with disabilities get into the opera scene, who are opera singers as well. They're in Vancouver. They're a block away from us. a block away from Co-op Radio, which is even cooler. Such a small world, us being so close. Absolutely. Thank
2: you so much, Robin, for
0: being on my show.
2: Thank you so much for having me, Allison. It's a pleasure to be here. First off, how
0: can opera relate to people with disabilities? I see opera as such a different and abstract thing that is not attainable for people like me.
2: Oh, I, 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 total, I totally get it. We have this um, image um, culturally of opera in our minds that um, imagines opera as this very sort of Posh, um, exclusive art form, uh, um, but real the reality is is honestly that opera is um, um, has had to evolve um, for 2022 and beyond, like every other art form. And opera is a place of innovation and a place that pushes for inclusivity, like any other art form. Um, for example, uh, uh, at the at the more basic level, for example. Um, almost every opera you will ever see does come with surtitles, so you can understand it, uh, no matter the language that it's in, because you know it's often in Italian or French or German. Um, and those surtitles are available uh, and free to access. Um, you don't need to dress up for opera. <laughs> uh, uh, you can if you want, if you have a, a nice dress and that's what you want to go and. and wear. Um, You can wear a nice dress, but you can also come in your jeans. Um, And lots of opera companies, even at the sort of larger scale level, um, do have um, more accessible ticket prices as well um, available for anyone. Um, That's sort of at the macro level. Um, At the micro level, um, uh, Mariposa, for example, um, has uh, works specifically in the arena of disability um, but also in all all types of inclusivity to push for opera to be a space for everyone because everyone likes to sing and everyone and 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 the vast majority of people I know love stories and we can tell stories through song and that's beautiful um, and I think that can be for everyone
0: I never thought of it as it can be for everyone and I Never thought of it as like a storytelling and having subtitles at the bottom. Mm -hmm. Like, of course there are subtitles, of course, because it's a different language. Mm
2: -hmm. And
0: I don't speak another language except for English. The subtitles are to translate and it actually helps the disability community. Absolutely. It's an
2: it's an accessibility feature um, for everyone. Um so in some ways, an accessibility feature like subtitling has become has been standard in opera for, you know, years and years and years. Um, there are places in the world, um, for example, if you go to an opera in Europe, um, oftentimes the screen that shows you the, sub, this, the subtitles is um, attached to the seat back in front of you and you can choose your language, uh, which is really cool. That is so cool. Cool. And to be able to do that and not have a second thought about it. Exactly. It's just built into the fabric of the art form.
0: And other art forms could use it as because it's built in and it doesn't assume that you have a disability. It just assumes that you're here, you've paid for the ticket and you might not speak
2: that language. Exactly. Um, uh, one of the... Uh, one of the ways that um, I've been, I've liked to t- discuss um, accessibility aids with people for a while is comparing um, other types of medical or um, maybe mobility aids to glasses, because glasses are an accessibility aid that help people um, uh, interact with the world safely, just like any other type of aid. But the world has normalized glasses in a way that they may not have completely uh, normalized other types of mobility aids. And uh, we, of course, want uh, uh, that sort of normalization of all types of aids being part of life, um, like glasses, and then, of course, like subtitling operas, which has just become a part of the experience. That is such a
0: good metaphor and such a good understanding of how to normalize AIDS in, into an art form, into a culture, into society. Having subtitles in opera, having glasses for safety, that's just the way we see it now. How has Opera Mariposa pushed for other mobility aids or other aids for people with disabilities to access
2: opera? Uh, great question. I um, mean, we, we work both for um, artists involved with the opera themselves and for audiences when it comes to um, making opera accessible, which is, you know, a hashtag that we've been using quite a bit. Um, uh, first of all, I mean, at the basic level, you want to make sure that um, all of your spaces are accessible by wheelchair, um, rehearsal, and performance spaces um our our rehearsal space uh has a ramp uh to make sure that anyone can come in and come out no matter what um we also um rehearse spread out um a lot of opera companies uh to save money uh so it's understandable uh rehearse is a very tight schedule with lots of rehearsals back back to back to back to back to back and depending on people's disabilities or accessibility needs that May not work because for a lot of uh, disabilities, for a lot of um, disabled people, um, one of their one of at least for me as well, one of my major accessibility needs is time. Um, time to recover, time to uh, rest, uh, and having that space. Uh, having that space has been really, really valuable for a lot of our our performers. That's one of the reasons Mariposa was created was because. Um, of artists who needed more time um, in the rehearsal schedule rather than, you know, uh, rehearsing all day, every day back to back for a week before three shows back to back. Uh, Yeah, so we do a little bit more of a spread out rehearsal schedule. Um, And uh, there are accessibility um, requests that audiences can make that we are happy to fill at any point. Um, for example, during the pandemic, we've been doing a lot of online stuff again, beca- uh, as an accessibility thing, because a lot of people with disabilities are still, uh, sheltering at home. Uh, so we've been doing a lot of online stuff, um, and meetings and whatnot, at which point place uh, where we have, um, live captioning or, uh, interpreters, uh, lots of stuff. (laughs) Um, I should, I could probably go on forever. But yeah, we are are the, the, the point really is to make it as accessible for everyone as possible. And that is not always 100% attainable because, you know, some people have conflicting accessibility needs. Um, But the most important part is that it is a safe space for people to um, ask for anything beyond what is already what's what's already um, provided and where we provide as much as possible off the bat.
0: And that is also very, very important because you want to be as accessible as possible. And I've also heard through my education and through other opportunities that I've had the past two years now in the pandemic that people are still sheltering at home for those with disabilities. And I've seen it as well where... You want to be as accessible as possible but there's also that conflicting access needs for example Mm -hmm. with, with me is i'll be on a zoom call and i find it distracting to have a lot of chat on the zoom call but it's needed for people who are deaf who might not be able to vocalize either through their mouths or through ASL their questions so they need to put it in the chat mm-hmm. it also is conflicting with people who are blind and use screen readers there's that yeah. conflict there i i
2: um i in fact have have a have a sort of conflict with my mom a lot because um she has uh uh, uh lingering injuries from a, from a concussion that make her um, sensitive to light so she prefers things that are darker whereas if I, uh, I, I my eyes don't focus very well in sort of dim light so I prefer light being lighter so anytime my mom and I um, meet up for you know a lunch or what have you we are, there's always a sort of moment where we have to pick and choose what light level we get uh, yeah uh, disability isn't a monolith that's one of the sort of key phrases I think that Uh, is good for all of us to keep in mind and everybody's got different um requirements and needs and um flexibility and saying yes is uh sort of is 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 the mariposa uh way to be i guess i like
0: that idea is that it disability is not a monolith and Mm -hmm. you can't treat disability as a monolith, because disability is not a monolith. How did you get into Ultra Mariposa, and working with them, and now being the executive director?
2: Uh, sure. Um, I'm, I'm also one of the co-founders. Um, so um, uh, this, is, this is sort of an odd but funny story. story. Um, my best friend since, what, elementary school, Jacqueline Coe, and I um we started taking voice lessons at the same time when we were about 11. um and by the time we were 16-ish I guess we sort of looked around and went oh I guess we're opera singers now weird we didn't plan that it just happened um uh but Jackie has myalgic encephalomyelitis or ME-CFS and has um has had uh, uh essentially since age six with a relapse um, at age ten or eleven, oh, I've forgotten. Sorry. Um, yeah. Uh, so she was already sort of filtering auditions and unable to take a whole bunch, even even be even contemplate auditioning for a whole bunch of operas in town because of the accessibility requirement of time that I mentioned earlier. She really, she simply couldn't do that sort of very jam packed rehearsal schedule. Um, so when we were, what, 1920, I think, we were just driving around town in the middle of the night, as, you know, we used to do. Um, and by the time we got back to her place and I dropped her off, we had, uh, the, the idea for Opera Mariposa was sort of fully formed. I don't really remember the process of coming up with it. We just sort of did. And walked in the front door and went, we have a... Uh, uh, very, very ambitious idea, Um, and that was just to create a space, initially, where Jackie could sing, because she wasn't able to perform in the sort of normal way within the opera world, Um, and of course, over time, uh, over the last, what, 10 years, um, it's expanded, and the scope of our goals has expanded as well, Um, and now we are uh, the first 100% disability led and run opera kind com- of company in Canada. That's sort of how wow. that happened. That is
0: uh, such a big task to accomplish and to be able to do and I've also heard that idea before of slowing things down and taking that time from other arts companies like real wheels Mm -hmm. and that's a huge access need is to have time to recover and be able to do that again and to get back up on stage again exactly it's huge in the disability world what are some of the highlights that you've seen since starting this uh highlights in what way (laughs) like what's your favorite part of of running opera mariposa
2: Uh, Ah, great. Um, It's that a lot of the time, despite the fact that we, uh, you know, we've, we've always been lucky to have really, really excellent cast members and excellent um, artists involved. It's really when the final product is more than the sum of its parts that that that's the real magic to me when you look at the thing on stage and you're on stage with these people and you go we did something really cool really special today um and when you know that as it's happening that's that's the real magic um but i think that's the magic of stage you know uh you can have all of these wonderful parts and then everyone and um but when people when when those wonderful individual parts collaborate and extra magic happens you end up with something um better than you expected even (laughs) Um, I, I, to this day, uh, not to toot Mariposa's own horn, but I, to this day, do think that our Don Pasquale that we did in 2014, which was an an opera by Donizetti, uh, is my favorite production of Don Pasquale that I've ever seen. (laughs) Uh, And it's because we had wonderful artists coming together and made magic, and it didn't matter who we were. We We just made magic. That's that's been that's that's my favorite thing that we've managed to do uh, to connect people and connect to people in whatever way that that may be. Um, yeah, fundamentally, as I as I said earlier, um, opera is about storytelling and storytelling is about connection. And if we're not connecting to people in a real way, then what, are, what is anyone there for? Does that make sense? <laughs> that makes sense.
0: total sense. To be able to connect people with each other and to the story is so important. And with that, let's take a quick break. Don't go anywhere because there will be more about opera with The Self Advocate and with Opera Miraposa on CFRO Co-op Radio 100.5
1: FM. Did you know that Vancouver Co-op Radio CFRO 100.5 FM has over 90 different shows produced by over 350 community members? This wide range of programming produced by our diverse group of programmers ensures that we have a show you'll love. We have shows on feminism, spirituality, disability rights, politics, unions, and parenting. We play jazz, indie rock, reggae, blues, and folk. We broadcast in a dozen different languages and have more First Nations programs than any other radio station in Vancouver. Find your show on Vancouver Co-op Radio, CFRO 100.5 FM. All different, all the time.
0: You're listening to The Self Advocate, a show about arts and culture in the disability community on CFRO Co-op Radio 100.5 FM with your host, Alison Klein. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Alison Mira. So this episode is all about opera and disabilities. I am speaking with Robin Han, who is one of the co-founders and executive director of Opera Mariposa, which is an opera company that specializes in disability. It is the only opera company that specializes in disability in Canada, and they are very close to us at Co-op Radio. Switching the tables a little, Robin, what are some of the more difficult parts in the advocacy and running Opera Mariposa? Sure.
2: Well, um, uh, so earlier we were discussing the sort of idea that we culturally have of opera as being a sort of um, a snooty, <laughs> hoity-toity, posh place. And while there are lots of ways in which that's not true, the, um, the stereotype had to come from somewhere, I think. Um, it, the opera community writ large globally um, is um, in general, and of course there are always individual exceptions everywhere, but in general, slow to change, and likes, and a lot of people within it like to argue that we're pres- that by not changing, we're pre- preserving legacy. For example, um, and when that's sort of the culture again writ large globally, um, it uh, the opera world often you know pushes back against any uh, attempts for, towards change and and moving forward um uh, change is coming and happening within the opera world but it is slow um and there's still a lot of pushback um you still hear a lot of casually ableist rhetoric um being bandied about as though it's policy not you know not everywhere but uh it does it does happen um uh, yeah the 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 whole community um, is working towards general progress, but yeah, it's been slow. And um, and a lot of the and, and a lot of the people who have been sort of at the front li- lines of pushing for a more accessible operatic community globally, um, they, they we often feel like you you can often feel like you're sort of yelling into a void, because um, there's there can be there can be that little response. Um, That said, um, I I find myself saying this a lot within the operatic community, uh, that the operatic world spends a lot of time, money, and effort um, on making um, forums or talks in which they discuss um, why opera is quote-unquote dying. Um, And I feel, again, like sometimes like I'm yelling into a void because I feel like I know the answer. Really, um, and I feel like it's plain as day to those of us who have had um, blocks to entering the operatic community, uh, the uh, the operatic world. Um, And that's to make opera more accessible. And I mean accessible in every possible way. Um, If you make the stories more accessible and more relatable to more people, more people will want to see them, so you update those stories. Don't keep them the way that they are because that's what's written necessarily. Particularly if there's uh, in this, you know, 300-year-old, 200-300-year-old score, for example, a joke that you know in 2022 is not appropriate. Maybe it's time to change that. Um, create more work that supports um, and elevates marginalized voices. Um, centering those people uh, And then once you've done that you will, you make you make the audiences a more welcoming place to be And I feel like that's the obvious answer. Make opera accessible and opera thrives. Make opera accessible and that's exactly right.
0: Make opera accessible and everything thrives and opera thrives. One last question question before sure. the listener can get opera mariposa's contact info if a person with a disability wants to become an opera singer what's one piece of
2: advice would you give to them oh i love this question <laughs> um m- my advice is to find a teacher that you connect with um uh, the human voice is a very personal thing to each individual person and to cultivate it. I think you need to have someone who understands you and respects you and your instrument, um, to, uh, really foster it. Um, uh, becoming an opera singer takes time and connection with the body, but, anyone can I I believe firmly that anyone can do it Um, I get a lot of comments all the time like oh um, you're an opera singer you must um, have so much natural raw talent you're an opera singer you um, uh, what's your secret it must you, you must be you must have been born like that and I tell those people that before I started taking voice lessons if I sang in the schoolyard, there was literally a girl in the schoolyard when I was in elementary school who would run away screaming with her fingers in her ears. And, all, and everything else that I have learned as an opera singer was time. And the fact that I was lucky enough to find a truly supportive um, series of vocal, vocal coaches, um, uh, that's, that was the magic not that I rolled out of bed an opera singer one day. Um, so yeah, if someone, if, if, if a disabled person or someone with a disability really, really wants to pursue um, where their own voice can take them, I believe that the vast majority of people can learn it. Unle- uh, unless, for example, their disability prevents them. The question is, uh, is whether that's where your where your passion lies, right? Um, find people that can you connect with, because if you don't connect with them, they're just not for you, and you can move on, and that's totally fine. There's no shame in going. This is not the voice teacher or the community for me. I need to find another one. That's my advice.
0: To so connect and. Let it take time and to be patient with it. Those mm-hmm. are huge pieces of advice.
2: I think that's great. How can the listener find Opera Mariposa? Well, absolutely. You can find Opera Mariposa at operamariposa.com. We're on Twitter and Instagram at Opera Mariposa. And you can find me <laughs> on Twitter and Instagram at Robin Han Sopran. That's the word soprano without an O to make it rhyme. Um... And at YouTube on at youtubecom Robin Hansopran. Thank you so much, Robin, for
0: talking with me. I did not know about opera being so accessible. I'm happy to to come on and 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 spread the and spread the joy. Don't go anywhere because there will be more about opera on the Self Advocate on CFRO Co-op Radio 100. FM with your host, Allison Klein. Vancouver Co-op Radio 100.5 FM is political.
1: Co-op Radio is poetry.
0: Co-op Radio is tango.
1: Co-op Radio is gay.
0: Ecology. Comedy. Feminism. Philosophy. Yoga. Reggae. Bicycles. Trade unions.
3: Gospel. Live.
0: Local. Asian.
3: African.
4: Vancouver Co-op Radio is community,
1: your community, Vancouver Co-op Radio, CFRO, 100.5 FM,
3: all different,
0: all the time. You're listening to The Self-Advocate, a show about arts and culture in the disability community on CFRO Co-op Radio 100.5 FM with your host, Allison Klein. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Allison Mira. To continue on our theme about opera and disabilities, I decided to bring up clips of a previous show from about a year and a half ago about conference that focused on music, meditation, and disability. In this episode, I talked to Stefan Honich and Natalia Esteling. Both are postdoctoral research fellows at the University of British Columbia. While this is not focused on opera per se, both of them touch about music and disability, and Stefan does touch on opera. I found talking to them both very, very interesting and very knowledgeable people. If you want to hear the full interview with them, you can listen on the November 29th, 2020 episode called Music, Meditation, and Disability. I learned so much from both of them, and I was also written up for that episode on Our Crip Notes. I was so excited for that I felt honored to speak to both Stefan and Natalia about their work and their academia, all of that. Stefan Honich, a sessional instructor at the Department of Theatre and Film at the University of British Columbia, having previously held a Banting Postdoctoral Fellow within the Department for a Project on the Musical Life of Helen Keller. Natalia Essling is an SSHRC Postdoctoral Research Fellow in the Department of Theater and Film at the University of British Columbia. She received her PhD from the University of Toronto's Graduate Centre for Drama, Theatre and Performance Studies in 2018. Her dissertation comprised of a practice-based research project that analysed the effects of sensory engagement in experimental and one-to-one participation theater through empirical audience research, theories of perception, and cognitive studies. I hope you enjoy listening to these pieces, and you go and listen to the full episode after you listen to this one. We're talking with Stefan Horsch and Natalia Esling. Thank you so much, you guys, for being on my show. Thank you, Alison.
5: Yeah, thank you for having us.
0: So to get off, both of you are postdoctoral candidates at UBC, the University of British Columbia, in the Theatre and Film Department, looking at disability and music. What interested you guys about combining both disability and music?
5: Uh, Thanks very much for the question. So um, my postdoctoral research uh, is at the intersection of disability studies and music. And I'm focusing on Helen Keller um, and her writings about music and her interactions with a number of musicians uh, and performing arts organizations throughout her life. Um, And I'm asking questions about how her musical life might link with broader questions of um, access and inclusion um, for deafblind people during um, Helen Keller's own time, but then also uh, more broadly um, into the present, um, what her legacy, um, and it's a complicated and contested legacy in a host of ways, might uh, teach us um, in the present. Um, As far as how I first became aware of uh, disability studies and music, that's thanks to my sister actually who sent me an article back in, I think it was 2007. Um, And this was one of the uh, initial forays into uh, disability studies um, from um, music studies perspective uh, and I um, right away sensed uh, ways of uh, making sense of my own lived experiences as a disabled musician Um, and so since then I've gone on to complete my um, graduate work and um, uh, including my PhD um, at EBC and it's wonderful to be back um, at UBC for my postdoctoral research.
0: How about for yourself, Natalia?
1: Thanks, Alison. So I come at this a little bit differently. Uh, I'm a postdoc fellow in theater and film focusing on uh, sensory experience and performance. So I uh, don't actually have a background in music per se, Um, but what interested me about the intersection of music and disability does relate to what I'm working on. Um, So my project involves uh, survivors of traumatic brain injury, with whom I'm working to create an audio immersive performance experience about their journeys, uh, ideally to share with healthcare students at UBC. So what is interesting to me is thinking through how sound sensory experience and pre-COVID touch (laughs) could work in different mediating ways and non-linear ways to tell stories of something like traumatic brain injury in unconventional ways. So I'm particularly fascinated in thinking through mediation and representation and, and how sound auditory performance, auditory experience um, and other perceptual experiences related to sound, like touch, um, sound, hearing is touch, um, how that, uh, can offer us a, a different mode of, uh, of speaking to each other and communicating with each other, um, about, about different experiences and diverse experiences.
0: Now, Stefani, you were, you're looking at Helen Keller's, work as a deaf-blind person and music. Did she ever do tactile stuff with music as well, or, um, and and how, how, how did she do that?
5: Right, um, thank you for the question. Um, so uh, I was struck by what you and Natalia were just talking about, because uh, I think there are parallels there uh, with my own work as a postdoctoral fellow. Um, So Helen Keller made use of touch extensively in her own um, musical experiences. Um, So for example, uh, in interacting with the singer Enrico Caruso, I think this was in 1916, um, and there are actually some newspaper accounts and also uh, I think both Caruso and Keller themselves wrote about the experience afterwards. Uh, He performed for her and it was a private performance. Uh, I think he may have been on tour and um, she visited him and he sang for her and she had her fingertips on his lips and on his vocal cords while he sang. Um, And uh, he sang for her an uh, an excerpt from an opera uh, which tells the story of Samson and Delilah from, I guess, the Old Testament. Uh, and so in this excerpt, Samson um, uh, has become blind. And uh, in the excerpt in question, uh, he sings of his distress. And uh, I think both Keller and Caruso found this uh, interaction that they had through music and through uh, a tactile experience of, of music um, to be profoundly moving for both of them. Um, there are other uh, accounts that um, Helen Keller has left us um, of what it was like for her to experience um, radio performances through through uh, vibrations uh, and through through placing her fingertips on the uh, speakers. Um, I guess uh, of the uh, broadcasting apparatus um, or radio. Um, and uh, there are other um, examples from Keller's life. Uh, in particular, uh, I'm thinking now of the ways in which um, touch and movement uh, become part of a larger um, aesthetic or, or musical um, experience. So when Helen Keller um, visited with the dancers in Martha Graham's dance studio in New York, uh, and there's, um, I think on the American Foundation for the Blind website, there are some, there's at least one clip of uh, Helen Keller and the dancers moving uh, with each other. Um, and uh, I'll stop there, but these are just some some examples um, of how Helen Keller made use of touch. And also um, I will say, Uh, She also made use of her own capacious imagination to write about music in a a richly subjective way um, and in a way that I think is worth attending to because so often um, I think that subjective experiences are sort of written off as lying outside the scope of methods of systematic analysis, um, and so forth. But I think um, Helen Keller's writings uh, display this wonderful sensitivity um, and subjective depth. And I think it's uh, fascinating to pay attention to that.
0: Let's go to another break. Don't go anywhere on CFRO Co-op Radio 100.5 FM with the self-advocate.
3: Vancouver Co-op Radio CFRO 100.5 FM, an idea worth stealing. Vancouver's original community radio station since 1975.
4: Vancouver Cooperative Radio CFRO 100.5 FM, homemade, not store-bought.
0: You're listening to the self-advocate a show about arts and culture in the disability community on CFRO Co-op Radio 100.5 FM with your host, Alison Klein. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Alison Mira. Right now, I am playing snippets from a previous episode about music meditation, and disability, because it fits with this episode all about opera. I hope you guys enjoy. I am talking with Natalia Essling and Stefan Horic, both postdoctoral candidates at the University of British Columbia in the film and theater department. What would you guys want people with disabilities to know about music and about academia? I'll start with you, Stefan. Uh,
5: Thank you for that question. Uh, I think uh, what I would say to other people with disabilities, um, as a disabled person myself, uh, as a disabled musician and researcher and educator. Um, that I think that the project of uh, the, the recognition of the importance of making academia, uh, of making academic research uh, and teaching, um, and um, more specifically uh, in relation to, to my own work, um, I suppose, Uh, music, as one of the art forms, um, more inclusive and accessible, that work is underway. Um, And I would say that uh, to other people with disabilities, we need you and we welcome you. Um, And uh, so I would just, uh, for disabled people uh, out there, for example, who who aspire to be musicians, or who who aspire to be uh, researchers uh, and educators. Um, I think that uh, you have uh, so much to offer uh, academia, um, and uh, uh, what it means uh, to do research uh, and to educate uh, and to participate in, in teaching and learning in collaborative ways. All of these are areas in which you can make profound contributions. So um, I think that would be my, my message. Uh, uh, what, what I hope is a message of welcoming and of inclusion and of um, hope.
1: Beautifully said. How about for you, Natalia? Gosh, I don't know what I can add that would be (laughs) as profound or or welcoming as as such. Um, So from my perspective, I identify as non-disabled and I work with collaborators who identify as um, having disabilities. Uh, The the two people I'm working with are survivors, as I said, of traumatic brain injury. And I think in that, Thinking through my work in academia and then speaking with my collaborators outside of academia and trying to understand um, my own limitations and my own assumptions has been an incredible learning experience and what I think I've I've come to understand is that (laughs) the protocols that we have in place in academia are certainly the ethical ones are there for a reason but a lot of the methodological ones I think need to be reimagined um and especially when uh extending research into communities and inviting people to be advocates in research projects and to have autonomy and feel empowered within those research projects I really think that um their voices are especially integral, their perspectives and their ways of working are especially integral. And so I think to answer your question, you know, the the place the need the desire for having um, uh, uh, disabled voices and perspectives and artists and scholars in academia is is such an imperative because it will inevitably teach us as a community how to adapt, perhaps stale methodologies, to alternate ways of, of working and to new and really exciting ways of being with each other and conducting research together and articulating that research. Um, And I think academia, Stefan, as you said, has a a lot of learning to do and a lot of changing to do. And and that there's room for that and there's a need for that and there's a need for disabled scholars and artist scholars to to challenge perhaps methodologies that are are um are not working in the ways that uh, they could productively work in certain contexts um so certainly you know another aspect um from my perspective is is really learning when to when to shift, <laughs> when to um, step back, when to um, recognize how my own education has perhaps trained me in a particular way that needs to be reimagined. <laughs> um, I think that only happens when you're in conversation with a diversity of people and it only happens when you are trying to communicate different perceptual and embodied experiences always through academic work and any other kind of work so um yeah as Stefan said I think I think the academic world needs more diversity of perspective needs to be challenged needs to understand how to listen and shift and reimagine things um so that we can we can really have a diversity of um of perspectives but also a diversity of methodologies and and protocols and collaborations.
0: Thank you both Natalia and Stefan for talking to me a year and a half ago. I hope you guys enjoy listening to these snippets as much as I enjoyed reliving this interview. If you missed any part of this show or want to listen to it again, you can find it on anchor.fm or wherever you find your podcasts. To end out this show, let's put on our outro theme song, Better Miracle by Kyprios. Kyprios is a Vancouver-based rapper. Even though he doesn't have a disability, his song, Better Miracle, Talks about having a better tomorrow, but not a miracle. Enjoy more programming, everyone.
3: Today, my window, the sun came through. Today, was the day i thought i'd look to my window felt the pain that i knew the sun heard about it when he came to came through good looking out i needed you today was the day that didn't need rain my window looked to me to make a change the sun rising to the occasion came through good looking out i needed you oh 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 oh, oh. Within myself, I'm gonna be okay Remember, Remember, back then I've come a long way The dream, may never ever be the same but came true, still here with you, and that'll do I know, the road I'm on is not an easy way Remember, Remember, that I will define the path I take The dream, yeah I'm a dreamer, what can I say came true, still here with you, and that'll do I feel but it's in my fingers I know it's it. in my soul now Don't need, I don't need a Cold, just one get a big fan i feel it's in my fingers i know it's in my soul now last time Memories. Memories. to forget never my the, the hope. hope ain't enough but it's alive and love your love is the one to get me by my life it's never too late to get it right memory for my mind throughout the night the the hope. helps me cope with my life and, and love your love is the one to get me by oh, oh. Uh, 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 all right oh, oh, oh. here for me to redefine yesterday today. Take the past, I let it die in time. I'll be doing fine, getting by. Cause now it's the only moment mattering in life. Today, different today, only today. yesterday, yesterday Never the same, never the pain. In time, love and learn a burden to the night. Cause now it's the only moment mattering in life. I feel it's in my fingers. I know it's in my soul now. Don't need, I don't even need what could just one my fingers It's in my soul